From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. People first is really, it is a proven method when it comes to exceptional healthcare practices, when it comes to exceptional business. And oftentimes we focus on one aspect or another. We either focus on the leadership skills or we focus on um, maybe ways to make up the practice run more smoothly from an analytical standpoint. What I actually want to do is, is help people recognize that there are strategies and processes that they can put in place to actually demonstrate that they're putting people first from an organizational design. That's Amy Lafko talking about the importance of putting people first in the medical practice setting. We'll hear more from Amy in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. Join MGMA's Medical Practice Excellence Operations Conference May 19th through the 21st in Austin, Texas. The Operations Conference gathers business leaders and professionals from across the healthcare industry to discuss optimized medical practice operations that address some of the biggest challenges facing healthcare organizations today. Go to mgma.com events to register. Let Scrub In Uniforms build you a free private uniform web store where you control what your team can buy. All of your favorite scrub, lab coat, outerwear, and corporate apparel brands at exclusive MGMA member discounts. Plus, your employees can do their own shopping anytime. Go to mgma.scrubin.com to learn more. Our guest today is Amy Lafko, a keynote speaker and author and the founder of Cairn Consulting Solutions. Amy will be the opening keynote speaker at MGMA's upcoming operations conference being held in Austin, Texas, May 19th through the 21st. Amy's here today to talk about the steps practices need to take to ensure they're implementing a people first culture. Amy, thanks so much for joining us again on the MGMA Insights podcast. Thank you. I'm I'm really looking forward to being here. So thanks for the opportunity. For sure. So we have had you on the show before. I don't know if we've gone into a lot of detail about your company that you founded. It's Cairn Consulting Solutions. Mm-hmm. I just want to know the basics. You know, why'd you start the company? What's your mission there? Give us whatever you can about it. You bet. So I started the company because I have a passion for this idea that every team member can actually be engaged in their work, that we can all really love what we do, and that the way that environment's created is with both skilled leadership and really well-aligned teams. And so that's the nexus of my company, and that's really the goal that we have. So I use a lot of assessment tools. I do a lot of training and development programs, but, but the core basis of it is to find ways to engage and empower everybody to do their best work, whether it's as a leader or as a follower. And when I think about the mission of my company, it's that anytime someone hears me speak, reads my book, 
or attends a workshop that they have their own aha moment about how to put people first in their organization, whether it's as a leader or the way they design the business. And then out of that aha moment, the most important part is that they do something with it, that it becomes sticky. And so that's a really important part about why I started my business. It's not about like that one moment and you hope it all works out. It's about creating stickiness when it comes to really making changes. Okay. Thank you for that. So I had to look this up, but we had you on the show last August. You were at that point talking to us about emotional intelligence mm -hmm. um, and some presentations you were making in that area. So just bring us up to speed then what's been going on in your world personally, professionally uh, since last August? Well, I still definitely bring emotional intelligence into the work that I do. In fact, this past January, I had the opportunity to certify 12 academic counselors at a college on emotional intelligence and DISC for behavioral assessments. And now they get to use those things with their students and they're certified to deliver that content, certified to debrief people on those things. So I continue with that kind of work. In addition to that, I've been really focused on streamlining and, and creating efficiency in terms of timing for some of my leadership development courses, because the big push for this year is at the one-year anniversary of my book launch in August, I'm going to be launching two online masterclasses, and there's going to be a people-first leadership track, and there's also going to be a people-first organizational design track that really is going to focus on business owners and, and senior leaders on how to actually create the engaging environment. And then you've got that piece plus leadership. So, and then as you and I were talking before the show, you know, personally, I had my first international trip since 2019. And I had a dream fulfilled by being able to go to Petra in Jordan and by being able to go to Egypt and seeing the Valley of the Kings and Luxor. And it's just extraordinary. So I'm, I'm really incredibly grateful to have been able to do those things this year as well. What a great experience. Well, the next time I see you in person, I'm going to sit down with you and <laughs> pick your brain about that. I would love to hear more about those adventures. So thank you. Wonderful places. Okay. So you are going to be speaking soon for MGMA at one of our big shows. That's the operations conference. It's going to be in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. The show is the 19th through the 21st of May. You're going to be speaking. You really kick things off on the 19th. You're going to do both a workshop. Mm -hmm. You're also going to do the opening keynote address. Um, you mentioned DISC a minute ago, that DISC certification. So just very briefly, we're going to go more into the keynote that you're going to be giving, but I want to know a little bit about that DISC certification, maybe that whatever's going to be in this workshop you're going to be doing. Just give us a little bit about that first. You bet. So the workshop is really about communication and collaboration. And what I find is that there's oftentimes a little misunderstanding that gets in the way of good communication and collaboration. And if we, you know, when I think about going to Egypt and to Jordan, um, I don't know a lot of the language. And so it makes it more challenging to, um, to communicate. And when we think about 
people interacting together, sometimes we misunderstand behavior and we can interpret it in ways that can break down communication and collaboration. So I utilize the DISC assessment tool as one of the tools in my toolbox. And DISC is about the way that you approach things. Do you start by focusing on people or tasks? Are you outgoing or are you reserved? And based on those few quadrants, then we can start to think about, is someone more of an analyzer or are they that person who's out there persuading others? Do you appreciate and look for the detail before you decide to trust something or are you optimistic and trusting always? Once we understand ourselves using that language, then we can start to figure out how to understand others and the cool thing with DISC is it's observable. And so there's great research about how um, in healthcare, people can use it with patients to have better interactions with patients to meet them where they are. And I see it every day with my client work where if we can help people understand how their behavior might impact an interaction and how to better observe and move towards someone else's preferences during an interaction, that's what leads to communication and collaboration. So it's simply learning this new language. It's evidence-based, it's scientifically backed and learning how to use that and leverage it for communication and collaboration. Okay. So I will uh, supply a link to that program in case anybody is interested. I'll put that in our show notes uh, so people can access that. Um, and I really want to focus on this keynote session. It's titled People First, Creating Environments That Engage the Best of All Your People. Um, give us the elevator, elevator pitch for this session. What's, what's the 411 on it? So, you know, as we've talked about, People First is really, it is a proven method when it comes to exceptional healthcare practices, when it comes to exceptional business. And Oftentimes we focus on one aspect or another. We either focus on the leadership skills or we focus on um, maybe ways to make up the practice run more smoothly from an analytical standpoint. What I actually wanna do is, is help people recognize that there are strategies and processes that they can put in place to actually demonstrate that they're putting people first from an organizational design. You create the environment that puts people first, plus you have leadership that puts people first, and that can transform the organization. And I've seen where people do one or the other, but linking them together makes it much stronger. You know, I've seen people with great leadership skills, but they're saying, well, the way that our organization runs, we don't have regularly scheduled meetings or our performance reviews are basically four questions and not helpful in any way. We don't have professional development plans for our team members or we have generic job descriptions. All of those structural pieces get in the way of really having people first leadership. And so I wanna give people the tools to actually be able to create an environment, not just strong leadership, but create an environment that is pushing forward this idea of people first. And there's simple things that people can do. And that's what I want everyone to see is that it's possible. Well, give us a hint then. what are the things people can do? Because I know that um, 
in correspondence you wrote to me uh, saying that achieving a people first workplace begins with an open dialogue, asking people, what do you need? How can we create it together? Does, I hope I'm not interpreting this incorrectly. It sounds like it really does have a collaborative aspect to it. Yeah. That there is an empowerment um, that the employees have as well. So they own maybe some of these projects and their, the direction of their career, so to speak. Absolutely. And people want that level of empowerment. You know, I, I, there's this misconception um, and we use the word retain, which really means that we chain people to work through money. And I don't want to be that type of team member. And I certainly don't want team members who feel that way about the work. What it comes down to is a conversation. What matters to you and how can we help achieve it? And here's what matters to me, and here's what we need from you in order to achieve it. And I think that's at its most basic what people first really is. It's a conversation. And I think sometimes people are afraid to have the conversation. And so what I want to start with when I talk about people first is always this idea that it's about what you think and what your intentions are as an organization. You know, I have worked with leaders and I've worked with organizations where they say, listen, the patient's the ultimate concern. People that we work with come and go. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have that approach, then you're going to get the outcomes you'd expect. Right. High turnover. Patients aren't going to be as satisfied as you think. Um, you know, in reality, I, I worked with a practice where one of the docs said to me, listen, the patients come to see me. It's not about the rest of the practice. So I don't really care what happens there. And we got talking about it and we showed him that he only spent five, 10 minutes with the patient. They had this full experience. And he had this aha moment to say, you know what? There is more to a good patient experience. And then we started to talk about even the financial implications of not focusing on people first. And so it's being open to that dialogue first. Like, can I even get there on this idea that if I put my people first, if I wanna grow my practice, I've gotta grow my people. And if you can get there, then I can provide you all the tips, the techniques, the skills and the strategies to do it. Mm -hmm. So the first and most important part is really looking at, can you get on board with people first? And then it becomes the dialogue. And so then it becomes who needs what? Here's what I need from you. I I say in the speech, I say, listen, it's not about everybody having off on Fridays because I mean, we'd all love off on Fridays. It's not about that. It's about here's what we need from you. What do you need from us? Let's see if we can co-create that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to throw something out to you because as you know, as you're out there in the field talking with audiences, um, and you're doing your research, I know that you're seeing and hearing and experiencing that the workplace is in a dynamic situation right now. I mean, it was exacerbated, of course, by the pandemic with kind of forced remote work, Not not, not in a clinical setting, but if we get away from the clinical setting to the administrative side of work, both in healthcare and in other industries, we're seeing this remote, we're seeing hybrid, we're seeing all these different 
it's almost like tools in the toolbox because I've talked to a lot of employers and they're going, you, you mentioned that term retain or retention and they're going, wow, it's not just giving somebody 5% more mo you know, money, it's what's the total compensation package where some of it includes <laughs> working remotely or working hybrid or working. And I just, what have you, what are you hearing when you're talking to people, when you're talking about people first and maybe they're coming to you and go, look, Amy, my people just want to work remotely or they want to work mm -hmm. in, you know, Florida or they want to, you know, be able to all these different dynamics that, yeah. you know, maybe you and I, when we grew up through the ranks, it was show up and you went to your office or your cubicle or whatever, and you did that and you did your nine hours or whatever. And that was that. And you didn't really question it. Um, yeah. It's a different dynamic. And I know I've rambled a bit with it, but I do want to hear what your thoughts are on that. It is a different dynamic. And, you know, I've written a couple um, a couple articles and one of the articles that I wrote for Forbes was looking at this definition of great resignation and what it actually means. And there are absolutely people who've said, you know what, I am going to resign. I'm going to go find myself. That's great. But I think we're using it as um, as a crutch to say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. It's the great resignation. And yet I'm working with some companies who've lost very few people and the people they've lost, it's because they've moved or they do want to stay remote and the work doesn't allow for, um, for you to be remote. So when you're thinking about what works, you first have to start with what does the job need? What does the role need? And as much as we say, well, it automatically means you have to be in the office, challenge yourself, does it? And if it truly is something that requires you to be in an office versus being virtual, then okay, let's find the balance. You know, I'm working with one client. Um, now they're not in healthcare because it, it is different for other um, industries. They're, they're not in healthcare. And what they're realizing is that some of their people don't want to come back to the office. Right. But there's certain work that needs to be achieved in the office setting. And so what they've said is, well, maybe we need to define the work and then say to people, this is the work that we need in office. This is the work that can happen virtually. And if you want this type of work, then that means you come to the office. And if you don't want that type of work and you want to stay in the virtual world, this is the type of work you can do there. So it's still a dialogue. You say, here are your choices. Which one do you want? And then where it gets challenging, where the discussion has to go deeper is when someone says, well, no, I want to do the type of work that requires being in the office, but I still don't want to be in the office. Okay, but here's why it needs to be in the office or here's what we can do to accommodate. And I think that's the most important thing right now is that it is a conversation. You know, the reality is in healthcare, we can't pay as well as Target. Front, you know, checkout people at Target are making 24 bucks an hour these days, mm -hmm. and we're not paying that. So we have to tap into something deeper for people. And that's not the only thing that we need to do. We need to thank and appreciate the people that are sticking with us and have stuck with us through a lot. The other thing we have to recognize and research is supporting this. 
research is showing us that, you know, we talked about DISC, behavioral styles aren't changing over generations, mm -hmm. but what motivates people actually is. And so you need to understand what actually motivates someone so that you can see, even if you can provide it. I, I had one client and they said, listen, we need this person in marketing to stay in the practice and she wants to leave. So we're going to just throw a bunch of money at her. And I said, that's not what motivate her. She wants to be part of a team that's on a mission. And they're like, yeah, 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 we are, but we're just going to throw money at her. And I said, she's not going to jump. They're like, of course she will. Everybody jumps at more money. She still wasn't on board. And then we talked about what she actually was looking for and we were able to provide it. Now, of course, if you say I'm going to throw enough money at it, yes, that might work, right. but it's more than that. And it needs to be refocusing on this idea of what motivates each member of the team. It used to be that everybody that went into healthcare did it purely because they wanted to quote unquote, help others. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more than that now though. And there's an awful lot of things pulling us away from actual care of the patients. You know, all the documentation requirements, all of the hump, uh, the hoops we have to jump through from an administrative standpoint, the care of the patient isn't actually where we spend most of our time these days. So if the only motivator is to care for patients and that's not where you can spend your time, you got to figure out what else is going to keep that team member really engaged in the work. Mm -hmm. To communicate and engage with the staff, you were talking about people have different motivations, people have different modes in which they want to be communicated with, mm -hmm. but you know, time is a constraint there. You can't just say, well, Jim, we do faxes with Jim and then we meet in person with Sally. And then we, and I don't want to say you can't do that, but it does seem like it could be inefficient. So how do you communicate with that team, engage with that team in the best way, way by really understanding them, but then I guess being respectful to the overall team sure. in addition to respecting the individual. So how do you balance that and do it efficiently? And efficiency is key. So there's two things that I use with all of the, the teams that I work with. Number one, we start with some assessments because rather than taking six months to guess what I think your motivation is or six months to try to figure out what your behavioral preferences are, let's just take a 20 minute assessment and have it on paper. Mm -hmm. So make it clean, make it easy, make it efficient. And then the leader can you know, pull open a file or pull up on their computer, oh, I'm meeting with so-and-so today and I know that they're a supporter. Okay, here's what they need from me. I'm gonna get into that mode. So first thing is make it easy on yourself. Use science, use data to put it all on paper. The second piece is the way you create your meeting structure and your meeting cadence. So yes, every single meeting, your daily huddle, your weekly staff meetings, your leadership meetings, they can't all be one-on-one. -on -one. Every email can't right. be one-on-one. -on -one. But at least quarterly, a leader should be sitting down with everyone they directly support to know what they need, what their challenges are, what's going well. Is that person successfully meeting their key expectations? And what do they need from you? 
if you have that on a quarterly basis and it's solid, then you can go into a larger meeting or that daily huddle and do it more broadly because you're connected with everyone still one-on-one. -on -one. They understand where you're coming from. They recognize that you understand where they're coming from, even if every email can't be specific to Dear Amy, I know that you're optimistic and love to start with gumdrops and roses, but right now we're having this issue. Mm -hmm. I don't expect an email like that because I know the person knows me well enough that they're doing what they need to in that moment. Okay. Let me follow up with that then. So I started work in the very, in the late 80s. It was at a time, I don't want to broad brush it, but the way it, I came up through the ranks, there was a little bit of a fear factor to go up to the, to the management and, and express displeasure, just, you know, really air your grievances, so to yeah. speak. Um, it does seem like it's shifting a bit where people do feel more empowered, where they can speak up um, either anonymously or through different channels. But how do you continue to build that trust where someone maybe doesn't feel like I did back, you know, 35 years ago or so we're going, oh, my gosh, if I say something, they're all they're going to put it down in a little folder that, oh, he's a he's not happy. And, you know, what do we do with them? So how do we do that? Where you build the trust, you empower them where they can feel like, you know, if something's not going right or it's inefficient or something, you really can feel like you can speak up. So I think the most important place is for the leaders to be honest as well. If something's not going well, they need to be able to share that too. And the way that you create real dialogue around that is by making sure you have the same common goal. So I will say, and actually I had a call just about this today, manager called me and she said, I don't know what to do. We had someone who we discovered was, um, well, we're pretty sure she was doing fraudulent payroll documentation okay. where she was putting in that she worked and actually it was PTO, but she said she forgot, but it's actually because she was out of PTO and didn't want to lose money. And I tried to approach her about it and she went off on me and now won't talk to me as a manager. What do I do? So I asked the manager, I said, what was the common goal here? When you started this conversation, what was the common goal? And she said, I just need her to not cheat. And I said, okay. I said, is that really what happened? She goes, I'm pretty sure that had to have been it. So I said, can we take it back a little bit? And, you know, I actually taught a workshop at the fall San Diego session on productive conflict. And the first thing we talk about is finding common ground. What's the common goal that we have here? And so I said, Carrie, if you could set any common goal. And she said, well, I don't want her to cheat on her time card. I said, okay. I said, that's a very specific situation. That's theft of time. There's all sorts of parameters around that. And I said, but you don't sound convinced that's what she did. She said, I'm not convinced. She said, the payroll person came and told me that she lied. I said, so is your first step actually to figure out what happened? She said, oh yeah, that's actually what I wanna talk about. I said, so if you go in with a, the idea that I'd like us to get on the same page, 
let's have a common goal, then you can actually have that conversation. And if you're the team member who's got a concern about your manager or about the direction of the practice, you've got to approach it the same way. The common goal is that the practice run well. The common goal is that the team work efficiently, effectively together. And if you start with those common goals, you can say, there's an issue. My goal in bringing it up is actually to help us with team dynamics or the goal, what the goal really is. Because if it's just about, I don't like Sally, then that's not even a worthy conversation. No, no. That is, that is great advice. So I do want to slightly switch gears here. I wish I can see you on video. I wish our listeners could, but you have published a book during the pandemic. I can see a copy of it to over your shoulder there. Tell us about the book. What was the you know, reason for you writing it? What's it about? So the book is called People First, A Proven Method for an Exceptional Healthcare Practice. And the book is really about four core elements that we need to think about when it comes to designing the best practices. Now, one of the great things is that I have a ton of interviews in there of people who truly are leading organizations that are people first. And more importantly, they're successful. So one of the reasons I use so many case studies in the book is because I think people can sometimes say, oh, this is just, you know, gumdrops and roses, happy thinking. But there is a, a financial case to be made. There is a patient experience case to be made. There is a patient safety case to be made for putting your people first. And so I wrote the book because I wanted to show the tactical, practical ways to achieve people first. And, you know, you mentioned that the, my company name is Cairn and Cairns, for those of you that don't know them, are those piles of rocks that are very purposely made um, when you're out hiking or when you're on a trail. Or when I was in Jordan, the Bedouins do not have roads and highways. So we would be um, out in the desert and you'd see these piles of rocks and they said, oh, that's the Bedouins showing what the best path is right now before the rain washes something away. Well, a cairn is these built up rocks and people first really comes from four different components. It's what we think, both our leadership mindset and our organizational mindset. It's what we say, it's our systems of communication. And I can't stress that enough, it can be systematic. It's what we do, it's our procedures, it's our policies, it's the way we write our job descriptions or choose to write vague nothingness lists of words. And then it's how we actually approach growth, both for the company and for ourselves and for our team. And so the book is a how-to guide. It is a very much, here's the method, here's the way to approach it, and here's some real practical things. Every, every chapter ends with either a checklist or a worksheet or a process to work through so that you can move your practice towards people first. 
Well, you've convinced me. So where, where can we get a copy? <laughs> you know, it's, it's available on amazon.com. It's the people first book by Amy Lafko. And you can actually just go to my website, um, www.thepeoplefirstbook.com. And when you go there, you click the button, it'll take you to Amazon and then come right back to the website for the book, because there's all sorts of um, bonuses. Okay. I've got a whole toolkit for people. Anyone that wants to take a DISC assessment, it's available for them as one of the free bonuses if you buy the book. Um, I'm doing book clubs with people. So make sure to use the People First book website or webpage because then you can actually get all the bonuses. I didn't know you were doing book clubs. We may, MGMA has a book club. We may have to invite oh. you to that and have you join us and uh, lead the discussion. Um, we'll see though. That's you know, great. I just did one for the VA today. We've so. got a tough crowd though. So just be ready for any criticism. They're going to point <laughs> out any misspelled words or anything, typos. Oh, bring uh, it. I'd love it. <laughs> um, last thought then. Anything else you can leave us with the, that idea of people first? Just one more little takeaway for our listeners. I think the most important thing is to see the truth in the idea. And if you can see the truth in the idea that to grow your business, you've got to grow your people, then the rest is just learning. It's practicing skills. It's it's learning to restructure the organization. It's better job descriptions, meeting quarterly, consistencies, those types of things. All it takes is that first flip of the switch, which is to say, I get it. If I wanna grow the practice, I gotta grow my people. And then it just becomes learning new techniques. And we can learn anything if we put our mind to it. I love it. I love it. Amy, it's always great to have you on the show. We'll have you back on soon to talk even more about the book. So thanks for uh, sharing these thoughts with us today. Oh, thank you. And um, I really appreciate the time. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Amy Lafko. Amy is the opening keynote speaker at the MGMA Operations Conference, which will be held May 19th through the 21st in Austin, Texas. You can go to mgma.com slash events to register. We'd also like to thank Scrub In for sponsoring this week's show. Let Scrub In Uniforms build you a free private uniform web store where you control what your team can buy. All of your favorite scrub, lab coat, outerwear, and corporate apparel brands at exclusive MGMA member discounts. Plus, your employees can do their own shopping anytime. Go to mgma.scrubin.com to learn more. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.